Hello and welcome to the show today. I am your host and founder of Heaven to Earth, Susan Fleming, business alignment therapist equipping kingdom leadership to multiply life without burnout. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. Welcome back for part two with Amy Stout this week. If you did not watch part one, you need to go back and do that first because we left you on a cliffhanger last week. She had just been told by the leading pastor of her church that she was going to ruin her husband's ministry and they were not able to get accredited uh, for the internship that he was doing. And so if you missed all that, that's where we're picking up. So you need to go back and watch part one. If you've already seen it, then dive on in to part two. Enjoy. These words to me. He looked right at me. He put us on probation. He wouldn't give us um, accreditation. He said, you are going to ruin your husband's ministry. Wow. And it was a declaration and a curse. I, uh, um, instead of just saying, you know what, God's got a call in your life as a couple, uh, you're going to be an asset to your husband, him to you. I, I hope that you feel whatever. There's no words of blessing. So that was that. I, I, I just got the message. Be quiet, be seen, but not heard from be an unperson. You have no calling. It's all about your husband and you are to shut your mouth and just be at his side and look nice. That was the message I got. Fast forward, we're going doing my husband's internship and I'm, I'm the church secretary trying to pay the bills, right? As my husband does his intern. And I knew the first day that we got there that the, that the senior pastor was having an affair. I just knew it in my heart, my spirit. A few weeks later, I just have to say something to somebody. I talked to our supervisor who was the youth pastor. He goes to the elders. They brush it off. I become labeled as the dingling young intern secretary who dared to approach and accuse a man, right? No elder came and talked to me. None of them said, hey, talk to us. What are you seeing, observing, feeling, sensing? Why? None of them. It was just, how dare you accuse this man? Well, and he was having an affair. Four years later, it finally comes to light. So here I am in my early 20s, for the first time, super disillusioned with male leadership shocked that none of them would come and talk to me, that nobody would say, Hey, what's the Lord saying to you? You work for the guy. Why? You know? Uh, so then I really began to see women's voice, not being welcome at the table, um, being dismissed, diminished, disrespected. So that was kind of the beginning of it. Um, and then me uncovering, trying to figure out what my spiritual giftings are. My husband and I realizing some of those things. I started speaking at women's girls events like purity conferences or at our youth group, that kind of thing. And I remember the moment for me, I was at Wisconsin Dells, which is this crazy place in Wisconsin where people go. And we had an annual big conference there. But this was the first time I ever spoke where my husband didn't set me up. Do you know what I'm saying? Where he gets up there and he prays and mm -hmm. he entered and I'm under a man. And um, I, it was just me. I just, you know, I was doing a breakout session. And so there I was and nobody, no man was opening and covering the bases for me. And it was a larger group. And I remember seeing men in the audience. They were probably youth leaders and some older high school boys. I don't know. But I, it just rattled me. I get up to my hotel room 
and I fall flat on my face, prostrate before the Lord on this dirty hotel carpet and fall my eyes out. And I can, I still get emotional about it because just this holy reverence fear of God. And like, what am I doing? And am I sinful? And I don't think this is okay. And I don't know what to do with myself. And God, am I not pleasing you? And there are boys. And I, I don't know when the age is that women can't talk to men, but maybe it's 18. <laughs> I don't know. But I realized that I was in opposition to the gifts God gave me and I didn't understand them. And I was wrestling it out with God and so desiring to please him and not be in a place of sin or being unbiblical. And God just, I felt in my spirit, him just say to me, Amy, I've got you and I'll take care of them. And I knew that them meant the men. Um, I thought at that moment, God was going to protect me from men. Um, that wasn't the case, <laughs> but he was going to be there with me through it. And then, um, yeah, we can get into some other things later, but that was my moment of God taking me on a journey to help me undo religiosity, traditionalism, unpack. Why do I think the way I do? Who told me that doesn't line up with scripture? Is this just what I'm used to? Do I even know why I believe the thing about women speaking and teaching the church and men leading and women being quiet? Why? Amy, why do you think that? Who told you that? What basis? Is it really biblical? And so God took me on a journey of several years of unpacking that, re-educating myself, not being naive and hypocritical and, and not opposing and resisting the, God, the gifts that God gave me. Um, and so that was a journey. There's so many keys in that. Um I think for women to just, first of all, ask yourself, do you hear your story in Amy's story? I think there's so much that gets buried. And like you said, it wasn't, it wasn't that you remembered hearing anything negative. It wasn't, uh, um, you know, that you remembered hearing, oh, women shouldn't do this. But it was just those messages that you received when you when you looked around and you notice there are no women leading. Right. You know, yeah. and I, I yeah, I, I'm thinking about that now of how that's how we receive our belief system. Mm-hmm. Right. When we're little, we're taking in all this information. Yeah. Not even consciously. It's just coming in. And if you don't intentionally stop and question, and I think for a lot of people that happens like 30 plus, (laughs) you know, when we actually stop and go, wait a minute, (laughs) why am I doing this? Why do I think it's not okay for me to be a leader? Why do I think it's not okay for me to teach at a higher level? Why do I think whatever, you know, fill in the blank with, with what your thing is, but I think there's just so much relatability in what you shared. And I love that you, that you just started questioning those things. And I want to encourage everybody that watches, start questioning. (laughs) What do I actually believe and why? Consistent. Does it line up? Is it one and so my husband's a pastor, as I said, um, we move on for my husband to become a senior pastor and I, he just welcomes me to the pulpit. Like I would 
preach. I'm going to just say the word. See, it took me decades to say the word preach because we share and we, we might share, mm. right? Oh, it helps some men just be like, okay, she's sharing. She ain't preaching, right? No, sharing. Anyway, but I'm learning to use real words. So as mm-hmm. invite me to preach, he's the senior leader. He's entrusted with the pulpit. Um, he knows I have the spiritual gifting and he knows when God gives me a word, it's from the Lord. There's no question about that. He knows my heart. So we were never co-pastors. I was not on the teaching preaching team. It wasn't anything like that. It was like maybe, which I think is fine by the way, but, um, three, four times a year, maybe mother's day, a special service. Um, I'd often do monologues that just kind of, you know, I guess nowadays you call them spoken words kind of thing. Um, or series on marriage, right? So it was nothing aggressive by any means, but we're in a rural town in Iowa, a church of like 800 people. And for years it went by well and was well-received. And, and But it just took a couple of men to create this big old coup and this issue. But what my husband and I, or mainly him, ended up being trying so hard, we see it now, that we were really protecting men and not just men. There's a lot of women who are opposed to women using their spiritual gifts that are oral uh, as well. But I'm just using men here because that was our realm with the leader, the head elders who were all men. But it's like, we look back and realize we were preventing them from making progress by processing uncomfortable things. Here we were hindering God, just going, let me get them, let me get them uncomfortable why are you protecting them from having to sit in something that kind of makes them go, I don't like this. That is how we learn and grow. God did that to myself concerning myself. I just had to get uncomfortable a minute and go, I wait a minute. God was inviting me to make progress by processing something that was so ingrained into me that I claimed was biblical, but really it was just personal. Um, And so we look back in the people pleasing of, oh, we don't want to make that elder man. And oh, that man's a power man. And oh, let's just keep pacifying and pleasing and coddling grown men who claim that they have a biblical stance, but really it's a personal stance because they don't take anything else Paul says seriously. Um, And so we begin unpacking those things. And when you teach, wait a minute. there's really two camps. There's those who will go to the creation order and the headship thing and say, that's why women can't teach, preach, lead, um, prophesy. And then there's others who just hang on to Paul's every word just for that sentence. When you really begin to read all the things that he said, it's from women not wearing braids, not jewelry, no fine clothing. He says men everywhere ought to lift their holy hands and worship. Never been to a church where that's required. Never been to a church that has a wardrobe police at the door. Um, he just goes on and on then about elders. He says elders need to be self-controlled, disciplined, temperate, faithful to their wives, hospitable, able to teach. Um, boy, I've never again, my husband has been a pastor for 25 years. Never, ever has he ever sat in an elder board room and they go around the table and talk about who's into pornography why some are obese, overweight, they're not self-controlled or disciplined. So therefore they shouldn't be elders. They don't talk about how many times they've had someone in their home that month to be hospitable. And certainly we don't have a lineup of elders willing to teach first and second grade Sunday school because they're supposed to be able to teach. But 
we will hang on. Women cannot teach, must be silent. You know, all of these. So we take one, one little verse and dismiss the rest as, um, well, we don't need to fossilize those things because that's not culturally relevant. But somehow women not teaching, speaking, and Paul literally meant women be quiet. Like if, if we understood the culture for women in that day, it would be a light bulb. I never was taught that as a little girl all through my childhood. I never heard about how women were treated. I never heard about the Roman law. I had no idea that women weren't allowed to speak to men in public, that they weren't really allowed in public without being an, escorted by a man, that men, it, there's a law that says um, do not, an oral law, that men were not allowed to speak to women in public, not even their wife, that religious leaders would cross the street when they saw a woman approaching. Women weren't allowed in the temple, in the synagogue. That was only for men. Just on and on it goes with, in, anyway, we could go on and on just if we grasp the culture of what women were walking through. It makes some sense why Paul said what he did. Um, and yet we have religious leaders in today who will just, we're being biblical. And yet, boy, the Bible says a lot of things that we don't hold to. Paul talks about, um, you know, good grief, let's wash it. We don't wash each other's feet. We charge interest. They, the Bible talks about don't charge interest. Do we hold bankers to that? I don't think so. We don't <laughs> wash anymore. The Bible says, boy, you know, an unbelieving spouse is sanctified through the believing spouse. I mean, that sounds like heresy mm -hmm. to me. Paul he says, don't get divorced or your children will be unclean. He says women's hair is their glory. I mean, I would challenge anybody who really believes. No, it's biblical to say women can't have any oral spiritual gifting, leadership, teaching, preaching, prophesying to read all. If you're hung up on Paul, read all his letters and write down all the directives. Just write them all down. And by the time you're done, your jaw will drop and you'll realize we have picked one. Women, be quiet. Why? It's the only one that's convenient for men. I mean, so a lot of these men who some of them have pure motives. I believe they kind of fall into a few different camps of why they camp out on this. Um, some are just sincere, but yet maybe naive or uninformed. Um, but the other ones they don't have a problem with because it doesn't trigger a personal response. But the one about, I got to sit and listen to a woman that, that kind of demotes my manhood if he's not secure. And really the church, if we're really honest, it's the last piece of real estate that men feel like they can lord over their dominance over females. And so for some of them, it's an insecurity thing. There's so many layers to it. There's yeah. so many layers to it. I mean, when I think about Paul's writings... Or any part of the Bible. Let's just say any part of the Bible. You have to look at context and culture. And remembering that these were letters written to specific people groups. And notice what I notice is that he doesn't say the same thing to everyone. Why? Because he's addressing direct issues that they were having. Thanks. It's going to particular people. And then we pull out, like you said, we pull out one sentence, maybe two, <laughs> and get stuck there on that and preach it as though it came out of God's mouth. You're, that's exactly it. And here's, 
Paul himself, and here's, I wrote this down this morning because Paul himself actually gets to this point because the Bible, first of all, is God's love story of redemption. It points, it should be pointing us to God and our relationship with God, Jesus, not worshiping Paul. Paul never would have wanted us to make much of Paul, worship Paul. What's Paul say? No, what's the heart of God? Jesus's life and his behavior, how he welcomed women and treated women and co-labored with women and how God set up women like Deborah to be the presidential leader of Israel and who she was like the modern day Rambo priest and president all bundled up. God says in his word, hey, in the final days, in the last day, young men and women will prophesy. So when I'm in charge and I'm done letting all of these men make up rules, listen, Men and women are going to prophesy. So let's just get in line with what God is saying. <laughs> but anyway, Jesus never hindered women. He protected women. He set women free. And and I know it. I've said it so many times, but if, if Jesus really, this was his heart, he never would have told Mary when he rose from the dead, like, hey, girl, you go walk into that room full of men and you tell them a word, the mm-hmm. The whole thing that we hinge our faith on, that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He is alive. She's, he just said, hey, girl, you go tell the boys. You go tell them. You use your word. You preach the first Easter message. If Jesus had a problem with women telling men stuff, he would have showed up to men himself. But he did. He said, girl, go tell the boys. And yet we're going to say it's wrong. It's wrong for women to receive anything from a wrong for men to receive anything from a woman. And what's flabbergasting to me is this. I cannot imagine my life without the voice of men, whether it's a podcast, sermons, books. I cannot imagine how shallow I would be, how lacking in character, wisdom, insight, all of it. And yet we don't think anything of churches full of grown-up men who refuse to listen, hear from, glean from, read from, their sisters in Christ. And yet we expect our churches to be led well with men who refuse to listen to another gender. It is mind boggling. I cannot imagine any woman saying, nope, I'm not going to listen to a man. How sad we're missed out. Boy, when I look at the heart of Jesus, the heart of God, it doesn't line up with women. Keep your mouth shut. He, he, first of all, he gave us our spiritual gifting. So for any woman who's like, I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm, I'm a good leader. I, I, um, boy, I, I have this desire to teach and preach, but all I hear at church is we'll go to the kindergarten or, you know, go to children to be lead in the, in the kitchen or something. God assigns his children spiritual giftings. And yet here we have religious leaders. Really their argument is against God. They're saying, God, you got it wrong. God, you're not allowed to give that gift to a woman. God, you messed up. No, you have no voice into who God dishes out what gift to. And so really, we have to boil it down to the discussion isn't women in ministry and what to do with her and how do we cage her up? But do we allow all people to use their God-given gifts to edify the body of Christ, to glorify the kingdom, to further Jesus coming back and to fulfill the Great Commission? Or was the Great Commission just for men? Mm. only people allowed in the dugout boys, because we have a lot of male leaders who are bouncers to the dugout door, whose all their energy and time and effort gets into stay out, stay out, stay out, not you, not you. Instead, they should be like all hands on deck, 
what's your spiritual gifting? You come take your place in the field because we have a very real enemy and we recognize it's not women. Men's enemy is not women. It, it grieves me. And I think we're wasting our time. And I don't believe God is applauding. Um, I, I just think he is saying the same thing Jesus did when the, the, the disciples got all bent out of shape because a woman dared enter the home and anoint Jesus with per- expensive perfume. And they're cranking about it. And Jesus says, leave her alone, leave her alone. What she's doing is a beautiful thing. And I think that would be God's word. If he could sit down at the table of male leadership in the church. And I think he would say the same thing. Would you leave them alone? Mm-hmm. Leave her alone. What she's doing, using her gifts of preaching, declaring my word, just edifying the body of Christ, glorifying me, encouraging believers in Jesus. name. It's a beautiful thing. So, you know, my husband, he'll say, cause he's spent years and years and years listening to all kinds of debates about this and helping his leaders through it. Um, a lot of them will get hung up on the spirit, on the um, headship thing. They'll say, oh yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting a stake in the ground with Paul's don't speak and all the hair and all this stuff. It's because of the headship and the creation order. Okay. Let's just go there for a minute and talk about headship. First of all, it is it, a husband. It's often referring to, or it is the head, husband being head of his wife. That doesn't mean all men in the church are head over all women in the church. That's called abuse and owning a person. And boy, I could go down that road. Them all. But let, I'll just give them that. Okay. There should be a spiritual headship, male headship. Okay. As Christ is head of the church, men is head of the woman. All right. If you want to translate it all that way, here's my question. Since when does headship leadership mantle mean you're unteachable? Why do we equate male, the umbrella of male headship? Okay, let's go there. Um, that meaning now we can't learn from, glean from, hear from, validate a voice from a woman. You, you go to the highest level of leadership, the president of the United States of America. Does that mean he should be, un, he's unteachable now? That he's arrived and does not need to learn or glean from a whole host of counselors, men and women? So I don't understand this notion that the who the, the men will say, well, it's male headship in the church. Well, okay, why can't you set women free under that umbrella? And that's my husband's stance. He's like, listen, under the male headship, okay, let's go there. Let's celebrate and set our women free to use their gifts. Let's learn from, glean from, hear their voice, reset, receive and accept their voice. I truly believe the reason why there's so much church division, why there's so many denominations, church splits, discord is because we are lacking the female voice at the leadership level. We need both male and the female, masculine, feminine, the gifts God's given us, the way he's made us different to complement one another, to give us perspective as we're dealing with sexual harassment charges, accountability, a man's behavior with pornography, accusations that come. Boy, when we just have one gender at the voice of decision-making, no wonder we're, it's absolutely dysfunctional. We need both. Women bring to the table what men don't. Men bring what women don't. It's We need one another. And when we silence the voice of women, I believe that's why we have had relational discord because a woman would say, hey, wait a minute, we need to lean back into that. Hey, wait a minute, we need to hear her voice. Hey, wait a minute, here's my discernment, my insight. And a man is also going to bring his maybe more steadiness, maybe the guy that's going to go, you know what, I think we're fine, we need to move on. And together, 
is where we have the council. And um, so I, I guess I would challenge people that just say, well, it's the headship and it belongs to the men. You know, Jesus said himself, hey, as as Christ is to the church, you know, husbands love your wife as I love the church. Oh, okay. He laid down his life. He didn't rule from a throne. He didn't rule from a recliner. He didn't demand people come to him while he just taught and threatened. And he just walked with the people when they were hungry. He was hungry. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He welcomed people in. He taught with love and grace and kindness. He laid his life down. He didn't, he didn't stand on his rights. And so, okay, I'll give you the headship thing. But I'll also say, hey, is Christ is head of the church? You are supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. How did he do it? He gave his life up for her. Well, I think it, it just comes back to identity. Yes. Being who God created you to be. Mm-hmm. Showing up as that person. And us not judging each other and saying you can't or you can or whatever. Like we shouldn't be looking to anyone for permission to be who God called us to be. So if the women will show up in who they've called him to be and the men will show up in who God's called them to be, there wouldn't be this. Yes. But it's just, I, you were saying, you know, what leg do they have to stand on? I think they're standing on tradition, religion, right? Um, (laughs) Control. Yeah. Right. That religious spirit that's about control. I think for a lot of them, you're right. They they have been taught it's wrong. So they're ready for it to be wrong. I can't tell you how many times I had a man. Boy, and I tell you what, God has had to give me lots of courage because I have preached through the years, knowing good and well there's men. For one thing, like there was a there's there's been all kinds of rules and policies made against me for me, whatever through the years from you know, there needs to be a unanimous vote. There needs to be a warning in the bulletin for three weeks ahead of time, warning people. Warning. So wow. <laughs> and it's, they cover, you know, like Amy Stout will be preaching in three weeks. And so that was undercover wording for all the people who were like, oh, I ain't coming. But anyway, I had one gentleman after I preached and I'm feeling the heat, but God's word always up. I'll take care of them. I'll take care of them. You're okay. I'll take care of them. And I I know if for any public speaker, you know, you got about 10 seconds for them to decide whether they're going to listen to you or they like you. I mean, when you're a woman in the church, you already have three strikes against you and the tomatoes are flying before you even get to the platform. You know, Mm. I'm feeling the heat, but God always gave me courage. I was always just the Holy Spirit. I need you. And if this is wrong, strike me dead, flatten me out, make me mute. I got no problem with that. (laughs) Listen, if you really think she's that unbiblical, tell God to get her. Just go ahead. Just tell him to get her. And and we'll submit to that. If she falls over right there at the pulpit, well, then I guess you're right. But if not, then maybe the Lord's okay with it. But anyway, I would get up there. I mean, I would see the men just scowl and many of them would just walk out the door. God would just infuse me with his anointing and his spirit to just preach. I had a man come bolting up to the front and my husband was talking to people. I'm like, I got nobody. He's like six foot about four huge guy. He says, when you got up there, I thought I ain't listening to no woman. But when you started talking, I thought I'll listen to her. And then he said to me, preach here anytime. And then he turned around. It was a powerful, I've had many, many times like that, but let me just wrap up with this thing and and however you want to end this. I don't want to keep, keep you, but, um, 
my husband, like I said, it was back and forth at this particular church for years and years and years. It just depended on what elder had what cool about things. And he finally got to a point where he said, listen, God has called my wife and I to minister together as husband and wife, as pastor and wife for such a time as this at this church. And I want freedom to hear from the Lord and obey God. And if he gives my wife a word, I want permission to make that decision and let her speak. I don't want to come to you for a vote. I don't want to have to have a warning in the bulletin. I don't want there to have to be a unanimous thing. It's not up to all of you. We're done with that. Um, And so anyway, they came to a vote about that and it was a tie vote. Well, my husband at that particular church, all the pastors were non-voting elders, members of the elder board. The first time in 10 years that his vote ever counted was that night. He he was the tiebreaker vote and it was a tie. So it really was all up to him. Everybody else's voice vote didn't even do such a beautiful thing. So good. I'm set free. It's up to my husband as he shepherds and is in charge of the pulpit. But just handle it well. We didn't have an agenda again, but God had been giving me a message just a prophetic message. And by prophecy, I don't mean foretelling. I don't, I don't have some sort of, some people do, they can foretell God gives them something for the future. For me, it's foretelling. God gives me a word from him and I, I speak it. So my husband had been doing a series on marriage and God had been give, birthing in me a message and I knew it, but I wasn't going to tell my husband. I wasn't going to manipulate anything. I had way too much respect for the whole process and all these men that we had to coddle and take, you know, oh dear, yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to push this envelope. God, if you want me to speak it, you're going to have to tell my husband that you gave me this word. I'm not telling him. So we get to the last week and I literally had spent probably 40 hours on this message, just hearing from the Lord, fleshing it out, never told my husband, had it all typed out. The week of his last message, and I had already surrendered it to the Lord. I have no agenda. Like God, maybe that was just for me. I don't know. It was just this revelation about Adam and Eve and how Eve was created and taken from the man and and how Jesus says, Hey, husband, you go be me to your wife. And so that's what the message was about on Wednesday night after Wednesday night, midweek ministry, it's snowy, like February night, there's a snowstorm. A woman didn't go to our church, ends up running down the ditch, this steep hill embankment. And she's in the ditch and on the church property. So he goes out there to shovel her out. In the meantime, a drunk driver comes down the same embankment, slams into that car, and now that car runs over my husband. He's under, knocked out, beat up, bloody, head gouged open. Um, Anyway, long story short, he has never, in 25 years at this point, 24 years, never missed a Sunday preaching or a Wednesday night preaching to teenagers because he's sick, never, ever. It takes him till Friday. He goes to the ER. He's just, you know, knocked out concussion the whole thing really beat up it wasn't till far and so in that moment I like no okay that's why God gave me a word I'm preaching Sunday but I wasn't gonna tell him Friday he's like I don't I don't I just I don't think I can pray I'm like honey he's like I gotta call you know and I just said God gave me the message for Sunday and so I preached it was I would say probably one of the more Jesus just had an anointed word for the people Men, I heard countless men in tears after the service say Mm -hmm. that was so impactful to hear a message about being a husband to my wife from a woman. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sure enough, the same two elders that have a problem with everything approached my husband later, just up in arms about it. My husband said, we already have talked about this. It's not up to you. And so they proceed and and my husband said, okay, did you sense the spirit of God in the room when my wife was preaching? 
Well, yes. Did the spirit of God move in the hearts of people? Was it impactful? Yes. Did you sense God's pleasure? You know, like he was pleased. It was he moved. Yes. Then what exactly is your problem? It's just wrong. And so, you know, it was just head bang against the wall thing. Like, then you have a problem with God that you need to go to the Lord and say, guess what, God, you have to work around my, in my box. I put you in a box and I'm going to tell you through whom you can and cannot speak, through whom you can and cannot move, through whom you can and cannot utilize to further your kingdom and edify the body. You come to me. And I'm like, that is so arrogant and scary and hypocritical. And yet they sit in the tradition because they're comfortable in it and decide it's wrong because I feel like it's wrong. And I don't like how I feel when a sister in Christ is speaking prophetically or in a powerful manner that's not mousy and they don't know what to do with it. And so instead of leaning in and saying, God, Help me to work through my discomfort. What are you saying to me? Do I need to make progress? Do I need to process something? Do I have something in my head that's there for religious, you know, traditional purposes that you are asking me to lean into? Um, It's just, it's wrong. And then they want to move on. And so, you know, that was kind of honestly the last time I preached at that church. And we left that church maybe six months later because we had decided that we were done apologizing for the way God put us together and the gifts he gave us and that we wanted to have a reverence to follow God and his voice and what the spirit was doing instead of being bound to men who demanded we obey them and worship them and their feelings and allow them to put me in a cage um, with them holding the key because God gets the key of my life, not men who have decided they get to determine who gets what spiritual giftings. So that's kind of our story. Um, So it hasn't been an easy one at all, but we're continuing to have courage now to not be afraid of, to not protect people from processing hard things because we did that for many years. We let people boss us around because we tried to protect them from processing tough stuff. And God disciplined us for that and said, you are getting in my way because <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make them uncomfortable. So they ask some hard questions and here you go around pampering them. I just so feel like I, I wish your husband was there. I just want to celebrate your husband Yeah, yeah <laughs> for standing up, not just for you, but, you know, just in the little bit that you shared about his background right? Mm -hmm. Like what it took for him to come out of what he was indoctrinated into to say, I'm not going to treat my wife that way. Yes. And and to celebrate you and stand up for you and that pioneering and opening the door then for other female voices to come in I know they're out there. They don't know what to do with themselves or they don't even recognize their own spiritual gifting because they never thought it was an option. You know, the Bible, when it lays out the spiritual gifting, it's he who has a gift of teaching, teach. It doesn't say, well, if you have the spiritual gift of teaching and you're a man, teach. You know, Um, but yet we have this uh, somehow, right? We've been indoctrinated that certain are not for women. And so I think there's a lot of women who have these untapped, hiding gifts because nobody's 
or mentored them or shown them the way. I, I remember back when we were at that church and I had four young women in high school that were very gifted leaders, very mature in Christ. We sat in my husband's office, they're bawling, saying, we, we feel called into ministry, but there's no place for us. Two of them ended up on the mission field, but I'm not convinced they were supposed to be there. Yeah. I think they have been in the United States leading in some capacity the church, but unless they're called to children's ministry or the nursery, um, or in some larger churches, there are women's ministry directors. Where I where do they go? What voice do they have? Another one of those girls, she was graduated from college, and she just said, Amy, the, the people that have impacted me the most from the pulpit have been women. She had attended a church that women were on the speaking team. Um, she was used to me speaking a few times a year. And she just said, I realize it's important to me now as an adult woman. woman I don't want to go to a church where there is not a woman's voice, at least occasionally, a handful of times a year or maybe regularly, whatever. She just said, it's important to me because God speaks most effectively to me through women. Um, you know, why does that surprise us? But, but I just think a lot of times it's a very lonely, lonely road. It's very confusing. You can feel self-condemnation. You don't know what to do. You end up, you know, thinking I've had many, many, many men say to me, well, one called me the um, female devil. Um, and so, you know, that I'm ungodly and unbiblical, but why can't you be happy with children? And I'm like, what? I don't, I'm I just don't understand. Like if a man has a spiritual gift of helps, let's say, and he can build homes and fix women's cars and he's just handy with his hands. What if we said to him, I'm sorry, but there's some people uncomfortable and offended by your gift of helps. So, but you know what? I tell you what, you can help the kids. Okay. Mm. Just help the children and be happy tying shoes and fixing bikes. But when it comes to adults or, you know, that what just be happy. And then once a year at a men's retreat, you can tell them all to bring their cars and you can fix their cars once a year at the men's retreat. You know what I, It's no different than us saying to a woman who has oral spiritual gifts, leadership, you know, teaching, preaching, prophesying, just, just go be happy with the children. Well, you know, oh, it's just, but there's a lot of girls coming up through high school, through college that are sensing this, how they're supposed to be part of the body of Christ. And it is more with those kinds of giftings and they don't know what to do with it. There's nobody at the college seminary level that's taking them by the hand and saying, here's a spot for you. And what do you mean? You don't know how to use it. Women's voices are welcome at the table. And I know this is going to resonate with so many women watching. So let everybody know where can they find you? How can they get in contact with you? If, if somebody's wanting to connect with you, how can they do that? Yeah. So amystout.org, my website, um, amy at amystout.org is my email. So free to email me or hop on Facebook. I would love to process with them. Um, they can reach out to me in any of those manners, message, message me. Um, and I, I just have a passion to just give them a hug and, uh, yeah, walk with them through whatever that looks like. And, we just need to be comfortable being God's girls first and foremost. And thank you so much for being with us and just sharing so vulnerably and open with us. I know this is going to just free up so many people. Well, thank you for having me on in this conversation. I have just enjoyed spending time with you and thank you for what you do for women in, in leadership and in business and challenging us to, 
to be the best version that God's called us to be and step into scary things and that we can grow and we can do things that we don't think we're capable of. So I really appreciate your having to earth ministry. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you want to learn more about me or any of my guests, all of the links are in the description below the video. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share it on all your social pages. Until next time, remember that you have the power to multiply life without burnout.